0: welcome to mini episode 14 of real life ghost stories how you do we've got three spooky listener tales for you today are you ready can i sing
1: yes (laughs) of course can spooky spooky skeletons i didn't even get the chain that time did i
0: no you were going for which is not no nothing the same thing so story number one comes from becky are you ready
1: i'm never ready for these things am i let's be honest but you might as well read them anyway because it'd be a boring episode of us.
0: When we were in fifth grade, about 10 or 11 years old, everyone was coming into the classroom as buses unloaded one at a time. My friend, we'll call her Sarah Smith, came in wearing a jean jumper. I patted her on the shoulder in jest as she entered the room. Our mutual friend Lynn handed Sarah a folded note as Sarah was walking to her desk, This was a paper note because it was 1988 or thereabouts. (laughs) We all sat at our desks as the teacher closed the door, signifying the start of class. He took attendance. But Sarah wasn't at her desk. The teacher asked everyone about her. No one had seen her leave. He looked up and down the hall, opened the closet door, then called the main office. Sarah wasn't in school and she didn't return for the rest of the day. At lunch, Lynn went to Sarah's desk, as she didn't want anyone else to see the contents of the note from that morning. Lynn retrieved the note from Sarah's desk. The next day, Sarah arrived at school, as she had the day before. But this time, however, she came with a story. She was sick the day before. She had a fever and her mum had waved the bus along when it stopped in front of her house. Sarah had never been to school. In fact, she had never even been out of bed. She said the school had called her mom that morning, demanding Sarah be sent back immediately. Her mom rebuted, stating that Sarah was never with her. She was quite ill and hadn't left the house at all. Administration had called the bus driver the same day, and he distinctly remembered Sarah getting on the bus. The driver had no recollection of Sarah's mom waving him along. My graduating class was 50 students. In a town that small, a driver remembers which kids don't get on the bus and which days. Sarah asked us what she was wearing when we saw her during her illness. We told her about the jean jumper. She said that she had planned to wear that outfit on the day she had missed. I touched her. That note was in her desk. We all saw her. So what the hell happened?' My second story is not as exciting, but I had a stranger come up to me and swear we were best friends in elementary school. Remember the class size from above? If someone were my best friend or even went to my school, I would have remembered. She was quite hurt when I told her I had no idea what she meant. She knew my name and my school, but little else. The poor girl walked away looking so hurt. To this day, I have no idea who she was and I'm certain she never went to our school.
1: What? i just don't understand, I, don't understand like, I understand that story sorry just in case you, you wrote it and you sent it in it makes perfect sense but it doesn't make sense if that makes sense that no there's that a lot of sense
0: i mean yes that does make sense i mean
1: it's just like crazy because how and why does that girl rock up at school when she's not at school and if- why does a bus driver see her but her mum kept her home and why is and where did she go where did the other her go when she left?
0: And why were there two hers?
1: What kind of illness does she have to split herself in two? <laughs> <laughs> that's some next level stuff, I tell you. <laughs> oh, that's weird. And I, I I, was just like a bit fixated on the previous story. So just the 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 one after, there was a girl that went to the school that wasn't at the school.
0: Yeah, so she, she claimed to be Becky's best friend. And then Becky was like, I've never met you before in my life. And then she was gone. And no, but then she walked away. She didn't just disappear. Oh, <laughs> she walked away.
1: To be fair, that sounds a little bit like a prank that like I might have tried.
0: No, but she knows she knew her name and the school that they went to.
1: Oh, that's weird. You were
0: not listening. To no, that but I, because I was
1: really form like formulated is not the word I meant. Fixated on the previous story about the friend being there but not being there, but wearing the outfit that she was going to wear but not actually wearing that. And then... if it
0: wasn't for the fact that Becky like physically touched her and was like fucking nice jumper and her other friend handed her a note and the note was in her desk
1: yeah which she where she put it where the other her put it and then where did the other her go like what i wish everybody could see her face right now <laughs> the sheer concentration on dan's face is incredible it's just it's like a really unnerving story like it's not sc- it, it is scary but it's not scary like a it's scary. It's spooky like, scary it's, it's just, just unnerving weird. like like what who is that other person and where did they go and what was in the note? Hmm. That's the real question. Why did, <laughs> why did she not want anybody
0: to see the note? The note says, this is how you split yourself in two.
1: Yeah.
0: Are you ready for another story? I uh, know. Story number two comes from Jared. In May of 2016, my life took an entire shift. I would left my live-in partner of two years and weeks later my job asked me to relocate to Newport, Rhode Island, for the summer. Upon arriving, I learned a little about the deep history of the city, including the tragic stories of sailors never returning. An island in the bay with a lighthouse that used to house terminally ill patients in quarantine, cemeteries that were specifically made for children of the colonial era, and a tower that is supposed to have been built during the era of the Knights Templar, prior to the arrival of columbus to the new world the houses that line the streets are old and many are colonials with minimal modern alterations to them due to strict city ordinances that prohibit historical buildings from being altered in any way i needed accommodation for the time that i would be spending in the city i found an apartment right downtown directly across from the famous trinity church in newport that overlooked Thames street and the bay upon arrival to view the unit something stood out to me the historical placard near the door read borden house established 1800 and something now obviously this isn't the location of the famous lizzie borden story but it raised an eyebrow as well as the hairs on the back of my neck i met the landlord and went inside and up to the second floor the place was completely furnished, primarily with antique furniture that had been purchased from an antique shop that used to be located in the retail space on the first level of the house. My room had an ensuite and plenty of space. There were two other rooms, one smaller with an ensuite, and a third in the back of the unit. There was a kitchen, dining room with exposed beams and an old fireplace and a living room. Walking in I felt a staleness in the air that made me feel uneasy. But being such short notice in a highly tourist reliant town I had little to no other options for a place to stay. I decided I could deal with three months in the house before I went back home. The staircase and hallway were narrow and moving in with my luggage was difficult. I unpacked most of my clothes and carried my empty luggage to the bedroom in the back of the apartment. The back bedroom was long. It was sparsely furnished with an intricately designed white metal frame bed at the back corner of the room next to the window. On the close end near the door was the wardrobe. An overwhelming feeling that I shouldn't be there overcame me and I dropped my empty luggage in front of the wardrobe and left shutting the door behind me. Now I should mention, with the old building came old doors with old style handles rather than knobs that require you to push a lever with your thumb that lifts a metal bar out of a bracket on the wall and allows the door to open. The first few weeks were quiet after moving in. It may even have been closer to a month before anything happened. One day I got home from work, went upstairs and into my room. I closed the door behind me latching the handle and began to undress. As I pulled my jeans down to my ankles, I heard behind me the latch on the door lift out of the mechanism and then drop back down to its original position. I turned around to see the door swing open, hit the wall and nothing in the doorway. I jumped on the bed and almost tripped on my pants that were sat around my ankles. Shaking, I pulled my phone out and called my landlord. I told him what had happened and he didn't believe me. I decided to assume that maybe I didn't latch the door completely. What I couldn't explain was why the door had swung open so aggressively. After that experience, it freaked me out to be there alone. I avoided it at all costs. I'd spend my days off at the beach or I'd shop after work in order to stay away from any more activity. One evening, I'd gone to a bar with a friend. Walking home, we stopped at one more bar that had a pong table. Too drunk to play, we thought we'd take the pong ball home with us. We passed out as soon as we were back at my apartment. A few days later, I was looking for a sweater that I knew I had packed. Knowing I had left a stack of clothes in my luggage, I went to the back bedroom to take a look. I stood in the doorway and bent over to open my bag. and I noticed something small being lit up on the floor by the window next to the bed. When I looked over at the area, sitting on the floor was the ping pong ball. I didn't touch it. I grabbed my stack of clothes and left the room. I hoped that maybe we got home really drunk and went in there, but there's literally no reason for us to be in there at all, as there was nothing in there. At the end of the summer, my company asked me to stay in Newport permanently, and I accepted. My landlord agreed to continue to rent the space out to me, When Christmas time came around, my sister came to visit me. She refused to sleep anywhere within my room after I told her what had happened so far. We sat in my bed watching a movie. I think it was White Chicks, which, besides Mean Girls, is one of our favourite movies. Good choices. (laughs) I started talking about the night the door opened. The door was to the right of the bed and as I spoke to her, I heard it. The latch lifted and the door swung open. Her eyes widened as she saw it happen. Her jaw dropped. I turned around and looked to see nothing in the doorway. It was almost as if the energy wanted to prove to her that it was there. The room filled with that stale air that I had experienced the day that I viewed the apartment. We come from a religious background and we both began to pray. We just wanted the energy to leave us alone. We slept fine that night. No other happenings occurred. A month later, the energy in the apartment changed. It began to feel a bit more sinister. One evening I walked home from work and as I stepped to my doorstep, I was completely stopped. I couldn't move my arms to put my key in the door. I was frozen. I felt what I would imagine a straitjacket would feel like. I closed my eyes said a quick prayer in my head and I was released. I stepped off my doorstep and ran. I wanted to forget about what I had just experienced. I got back home and went inside about an hour later. It was pitch black. I turned on every single light in the apartment for fear of seeing something that I didn't want to. I climbed into bed. My bedroom was completely lit up and I put on a TV show to try and put me to sleep and forget about what was going on. Eventually I drifted into a sleep I woke up in a sweat I looked around and the room was lit up but I couldn't move I was frozen again I gasped deeply as I lay on my back staring up at the ceiling From the tallest point of the large headboard on my antique bed was a dark grey cloud that appeared to move closer to me I closed my eyes I wanted to scream but I couldn't I got my body back into my own control and I opened my eyes and sprang upright in bed. The cloud was gone and the lights were all shut off. In the pitch black I flicked on the lamps on either side of my bed. I'm not an emotional person but I began to tear up simply out of fear. I didn't sleep for the rest of the night. I shared my story with my dad who has always been intrigued by the paranormal and even has his own experiences. Not as intense, but still interesting. He told me to be direct, and tell it that it didn't have permission to touch me or bother me. It felt stupid, and I ignored him. And that was a mistake. Days later, I got out of the shower. I wrapped myself in a towel and walked into my bedroom. As a typical millennial, one would read about in memes, I sat for about 20 minutes at the foot of my bed in a towel scrolling through Instagram. The silence and stillness was comforting, and I got to laugh at a few posts from friends until the burning started. I felt it initially as an itch between my shoulder blades, not bad enough to scratch, but noticeable. It got worse, and it began to burn almost like feeling a lit lighter, slowly getting closer and closer to my skin. I sprung up and ran back to the bathroom. I turned around in the mirror and my stomach dropped. There were three parallel scratch lines in the shape of a sideways V in between my shoulder blades. I teared up. I couldn't handle it anymore. This was the final straw. I called my parents because I didn't know what else to do. As mentioned, I come from a religious background. My mother began to pray over the phone and my father told me once again to be firm and speak loudly. Tell it, it cannot touch you. I screamed into the air. You can't touch me, you don't have permission, leave me alone. From that moment on, I never experienced anything paranormal ever again. I do believe that a malevolent spirit was trying to attack me and it didn't want to be sneaky about it. It knew that I was afraid... And it fed off of it. I do believe that my saving grace was my mother's prayers. Something fought the energy away and protected me and for that I am grateful. I have a question for you.
1: That's disturbing.
0: If you rang your parents and you said, I'm, I think I'm under attack by a spirit, what do you think they'd do?
1: Similar reaction I'd imagine. Do
0: you think they'd pray and be like, useful? Yeah. What do you think my parents would do if I rang them and said I'm under attack from an evil spirit?
1: Um, I think your dad would probably just give your phone to your mum <laughs> And then your mum would tell you to probably just behave yourself. And that would probably solve the issue in a similar manner to be fair.
0: My mum would be like, Stop being so stupid. Yeah. And my dad would be like, Your mum's not here. Yeah. <laughs> Ring back when she's here. <laughs> I'm not speaking to you. <laughs> It's just, it's very, they're very small things, aren't they? But they're those things that are enough to make
1: you feel uneasy. I don't know if getting scratched on the back is a small thing. No, no,
0: I mean the things leading up to it. Oh, yeah. You know, because the other, I mean, the the waking up and feeling paralyzed can be put down to sleep paralysis. Not, not, obviously not on the doorstep on the way home. But the sleep paralysis could come from being in a high stress situation. Like feeling really stressed out about living in that new place and blah, blah, blah. But the other stuff.
1: A door that's latched.
0: Yeah, that's what I mean. The other stuff, I, I don't get. And those latches are really particular. Like, you yeah. have to do the mechanism in order to be able to open like, the doors properly.
1: I know our bedroom door is on a slant enough that if it's only open slightly, it will open the rest of the way it's on the zone. So I know yeah, that- and it
0: also slams shut, yeah. which is really annoying. The first time it happened, we were like, <gasps> oh, God. But
1: actually, it's just the way that it's, it's, the door frame is a bit twisted, I think. Um But it doesn't have a latch on it. Like, that's the whole point of a latch.
0: Yeah, to stop it from opening.
1: So if it's if it's if the latch is open and the door's still, I would have left at that point. To be honest,
0: would you really though?
1: Yeah, particularly if I'm on my own in a weird flat. Named and after, it's weird that it's called the
0: Borden House because I Lizzie was like Lizzie
1: Borden, Sister Leanie Borden. <laughs>
0: What was Lizzie Warden's sister's actual name? I can't remember. Oh, I think it was like Edwina or something. Yeah. I don't remember, but it definitely wasn't Leany. No. <laughs>
1: are
0: you ready for one more story?
1: Uh, yes. I might sneeze during this episode. I apologise.
0: Why are you... Just... Can you feed a building? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you need to sneeze, just let us know. Okay. Okay. Yeah. The last story comes from Ilse. When I was around seven years old, we moved to our first house. In order to comprehend the locations of the spirits I saw, I'll have to go into some detail of the layout of the house. From the front door looking into the house, you look straight into a bathroom. At the end of that bathroom, there is a large window on the back wall. When you step into the foyer, at the right is the living room. If you go further into the foyer, it leads into the hallway, again facing the bathroom. If you turn left of the hallway, there are two bedrooms on either side of the hallway at the end. The bedroom on the left i shared with my middle sibling the bedroom to the right was my master bedroom if you turn right from the foyer there is another bedroom next to the bathroom which was my older brother's and the hallway led to a dining room to the left and the kitchen to the right if you went right through the kitchen it led you back to the living room as it made a full circle the neighborhood we moved to did not have any children living on the street with the exception ...of a boy that I went to school with... ...that lived at the end of the street. Because I was a girl... ...he obviously didn't like to play with me... ...so he played at my brother instead. This led to me not having any friends... ...to play with on my street... ...and my overprotective parents... ...would not let me walk down two blocks... ...where my best friend lived. Because of this... ...I had no other choice... ...but to play with my dad. One day we were in the middle of the living room floor... ...playing with Barbies. I was facing the front of the house... "'leaving the foyer to my right. "'Something in the foyer caught my attention "'and when I turned to look, "'I saw a woman in a white dress standing in the foyer. "'I just sat there and looked at her for a bit. "'My dad noticed I was seeing something "'and he asked what I saw. "'I told him nothing and kept playing. "'He insisted for me to tell him. "'From my previous experience, I responded with, "'Why do you want me to tell you? "'You're not going to believe me anyway?' After more insistence I finally told him There's a lady in a white dress standing there and I pointed to where she was only to look and see that she was not there anymore. Of course he responded with It's your imagination and you need to stop watching so many scary movies. After this encounter any time I would go down the hall from my room to the kitchen and back something made me look inside the bathroom as I was passing it. After about a week of this, I started seeing a black figure standing at the end of the bathroom in front of the window. It did not have a face, but I could somehow tell it was male. All it looked like was a black silhouette shaped like a person. It didn't scare me, but it would make me look inside the bathroom every time I passed it. Several weeks later, I had a dream. In my dream, the house belonged to a young, newlywed couple... On the date of their one year wedding anniversary, the husband came home and told his wife to put on her wedding dress. He would put on his suit and they would relive their wedding night. She excitedly got dressed up and met him in the foyer. When he got there, he held her in an embrace. She was facing the bathroom and he was facing the front door with his back to the bathroom. When he was embracing her, he put a gun to the back of her head and shot her. She fell dead to the floor. Upon realising what he had just done, he walked backwards, away from her, gun still in hand, and looking at her in shock. When his back hit the wall in the window at the end of the bathroom, he put the gun to his head and shot himself. I woke up scared as hell from my dream. In the morning, I told my parents what I had dreamt, as they were very freaked out, it was never talked about again. I've been too afraid to do any research on the house, because I don't want to know if all of this was true. We still own the house, although none of us resides in it. My mom has it as a rental property. There are more stories from this house that I will later send in, and from other houses too. Stay tuned.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: That's a really detailed dream for a child to have. Yep. Yeah. And really, like, complex and has a really dark narrative.
1: Very dark narrative. Like, you know, when kids
0: have nightmares and they're like, I dreamed I had a nightmare about a monster or I had a nightmare about, in my case, a dinosaur, whatever. I have never had a dream like that.
1: No. Well, I... No.
0: That is dark shit.
1: Yeah. I've had some dark dreams. Maybe not as detailed as that, but I have had them, but not as a kid.
0: Yeah. As an actual child.
1: Yeah. Oh, that gives me the heebie-jeebies. Well, that solves the, two, the mystery of who the two figures were well, then, didn't it?
0: Yes, but it also, like, it's that really interesting thing where she just watched this woman. Yeah. She wasn't like... Because as an adult, you'd shit yourself. You'd be like, oh, God. Yeah. And you'd be fucking running around the house. She was just like, okay. In that classic kid way where they're just like... Accept what sure. they see. Yeah. yeah. There's a woman in the foyer in a white dress. There yeah. she is. Yeah. So bizarre.
1: Which also... When kids get scared of those kind of things that's probably the time when you really need to start worrying, isn't it?
0: Yes. That is the time (laughs) when the kid is like, "Eh, the monster that lives under my bed tried to fucking hurt me or whatever it is.
1: Yeah, that's when you go, "Mm, okay.
0: Time to move out. Time to burn the house down and move out. Where's the petrol? (laughs) If you enjoyed this week's mini episode you can find us on Instagram at Real Life Ghost Stories. You can find us on facebook at real life ghost stories and the facebook group or lgs super group you can find us on twitter
1: at real guys pod
0: you can find dan on instagram
1: at 50p movie club
0: and you can find all the links to our merch our patreon our youtube channel all of that is in the description and on that note we shall see you next week
1: bye